When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tom Bernard Show with co-host Catherine Brandt. Dave Schrader. <laughs> L.A. Nick. Alex Brandt Bernard Rasmussen. And Dave Brandt Bernard. Cassie Schrader. We'll be right back. Special guest Trapper Jack coming up next. Tom Bernard Show. Doug Sprinthal, Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. Tell us about this warranty for life thing. I, you, know, you know, you understand a lot more about this than I do. Well, of course. I know you're not an automotive mechanic. So let me tell you a cool story. This just happened a couple of days ago. I got an email Somebody emailed me at Doug at Walzer.com, and he goes, hey, I bought a 2005, and I think it was a Honda Accord, back in 2014, having some problems with the engine. Uh, do I have any coverage? So I called the Honda store. We looked it up, and sure enough, the card qualified for a lifetime powertrain warranty. So it had to be under 60,000 miles at the time of purchase, a uh, non-highline vehicle. And they covered the engine repair. Think about what that means. That's a 13-year-old car, and the guy got his engine replaced. It doesn't cover every single thing on the car, but all the, it's like major medical coverage. So the engine goes bad, transmission, four-wheel drive system. You're covered as long as you own the car, as long as you maintain it to factory standards. It's pretty cool. It actually is really cool. Well, I mean, it's a lot cooler than you or me. Well, it is really cool, though. Yeah, I mean, you know, 15-year-old car. And that's why I buy all my cars, and my family buys all their cars from Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com, because of warranty for life. And you like working with me, too, right, Tommy? Tommy? Tom? I, I don't think he's there. <laughs> that's really nice. Very professionally <laughs> delivered from Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. 
It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. Tom Bernard Show. Welcome back. I'm just waiting to see who this is. Who is this? This is a cold play. It's called Miracles from the soundtrack of Unbroken. Remember that movie? Oh, yeah. I love that movie. Yeah. It was a really good movie. I don't know if I'm a cold play kind of guy. I know. I love cold play. Every once in a while, they'll come out with a good one. They, they, Their they, concerts are so fun. I've been to two, yeah, and they, I they, love them. You, you fit that. Criteria Coldplay fan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like easy listening. It's not like you know. You don't yeah, eat, is, you don't eat if you don't eat meat. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Coldplay fan. That's true. <clears throat> there you go. It works for me. Is our guest ready? Yep. Yep. Trapper Jack, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. Miraculous stories. Everything from angels, divine interventions. Got. I need a divine intervention today, by the way, Trapper Jack. So if you could set me up. People are driving me nuts today. I don't know what what it is. I have no idea. But uh, everything from angels to divine interventions. What is your prayer, Tom? Your prayer. My prayer is, please, Trapper Jack, what? take me away from all this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just the guy to do it. How are you guys doing? Marvelous. Yeah, I'm doing extremely good. well. Things are really good. So uh, I, what I want to do is, is talk about you, and then I want to step back and hear your story. Because it's it's fascinating. It's a great story. Trapper Jack is a legally blind, thirty-plus year broadcaster. What kind of what, what did you do? Radio and television? Uh, mostly radio. Mostly morning radio. Where'd you work, Morgan? Morning radio. Uh, last twenty-five years were in Cleveland, Ohio. Also worked in Pittsburgh. Worked in Seattle. A couple places in uh, Oregon. A little bit of Utah. You know that kind of thing. So, so He's great. Also markets. a Hall of Famer. What? He's he's a Hall of Famer like you. Oh, you're in the, you're in the National Broadcast Ohio Hall, right? and Cleveland. Oh, Ohio and Cleveland. Well, yeah, no, we're just just we're just, just Ohio and Cleveland, all that kind of yeah. There you go. Well, that's not just Trapper Jack. That's pretty impressive. I mean, to be in the Hall of Fame, <laughs> that's very very impressive. Well, not for me, uh, obviously. I just I was very lucky. I inducted into a couple of Halls of Fame in the last twelve months or fifteen months or whatever, and it's 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 quite an honor, Trapper Jack. I'm sure you know that. Well, as you know, Tom, if you do something long enough, they got to stick you somewhere. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Now you sound like my now, dad. Now we know he is in radio. <laughs> yeah, now I know you're in radio after that comment. <laughs> I love that. Trapper Jack is legally blind, 30-plus uh, year broadcaster. He left the church for 15 years. Now, which church are we talking about? I uh, grew up in the Catholic Church, uh, went away for 15 years, and then went back. Then it was another 15 years before I finally figured out what the heck was going on. So we can get into that along the way, too. Yeah, which I definitely want to do. But So you and I have a lot in, in common. I've been doing the, the morning show at KQRS in Minneapolis for 33 years. So uh, morning radio, doing this show as well. And then uh, all the different things that go along with that. It's... Uh, it's pretty interesting. I also grew up Roman Catholic. Now, let me ask you a question, Trapper Jack, before we do. I just want to step back and let you go, as I said. People don't understand. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't understand that, that being 
Roman Catholic is not just a religion, it's a lifestyle. Uh, highly influenced by Italians and Irish, and you go down the list of people. Um, if, if, you're, if you follow the religion or, or not, you're still a Catholic. It's kind of like being a Jew. It's the same thing. Whether you follow the Jewish faith or not, you're still a Jew. You follow the, the Catholic Church uh, teachings or not, you're still Roman Catholic. It's just something to me that, that I never got away from. And I didn't do it intentionally. I just kind of liked that whole lifestyle, that Catholic lifestyle thing. I really, you, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, and I... It, yeah, and there's, there's also, as you know, the cafeteria variety, which is, yeah. uh, you know, those who, <laughs> yes. who say they are a, a certain, let's say that they'll say they're Catholic, but they don't follow the principles. I mean, we have a lot of people in Congress like that who say they're Catholic, but there's nothing in, in what they, how they, how they vote that says they're Catholic. So they're kind of by name right. only. They may call themselves Catholic, but by name only. So I think you also have that, too. Oh, I think you're absolutely right about that. Uh, there's no question about that. So I want to step back now and hear your story because, hey, anybody that's been able to put up with radio for all those years, you know, 30-plus years, it's, you got a, you got a strong soul, I'll tell you, <laughs> putting up with this business for all that time. Yeah, but it does beat working. You know that, Tom. You, all you guys well, that's true. <laughs> Come on, there's no heavy lifting. There's no shovel involved. I mean, you're not climbing poles in the middle of winter, you know, all that kind of stuff, so. Uh, that's all, that's all I ever wanted. When I was a kid, I, at age eight, I knew what I wanted to do, and heavily influenced by people like Johnny Carson and all that kind of good stuff. But yeah, so, uh, as I was me kind too. of jumping into radio early on in my life, I was jumping out of the church, uh, feeling very disconnected. Felt you know you'd hear words like having a personal relationship with Jesus, and it was like, what the heck? What is? I felt none of that, none of that. Right. So about 15 years later, right. uh, 15 years later, I meet my future wife, and she drags me back into the church, and I'm still feeling nothing. It's like I'm kind of glad I'm there. I'm glad I'm connected to something, but it still doesn't have much in the area of roots. Another 15 years pass. Uh, I'm now in my 40s, and uh, at that point, and uh, I, I was living here in Cleveland. I met this uh, this physician who has who's gotten some national attention. He's known as kind of the physician of unshakable faith, and that is when he prays things happen. I just saw the most amazing, miraculous things happening. You name the disorder, I saw it reversed through this guy, just amazing prayers. Very powerful. So it's like, okay, what makes this guy's prayers more powerful than mine? So you kind of delve into that a little bit. And then at the same time, mm-hmm. uh, I, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever done this. It's, I, I thought I invented it, then I found out people have been doing this since, you know, since the early church. And that is, I was kind of being dazzled one day by the miracles, and I'm wondering, okay, why am I, why am I seeing all this stuff? For the first time in my life, I'm starting to feel like, you I mean, there really is a God, and, he, and he's actually doing stuff right now. This isn't just 2,000-year-old stuff. And I, and I grabbed my Bible, and I'm Catholic, so I wasn't reading it. <laughs> a little inside joke. There. Right. So, um, <laughs> That's nice. Uh, so, I, so I open it, and I, and I play Bible roulette. You ever played that, time? You know, just kind of open no. it up, ask a question. Nope. Oh, yeah, you just kind of... You have a question, so you just random open up the Bible and you stick your finger in the Bible and to see does he have an answer? And and I honestly, gosh, I had never heard about this before. I just did it, apparently inspired to do this, and uh, and I stick my finger in there and I get Psalm 40. Well, Psalm 40 may not mean anything to everybody or something to some people, but in my case, Psalm 40 summed up my life, which was it's basically I cried out, which I had a few months before. And you, God, plucked me out of the muck, put me on firm ground, steadied me, and put a new song in my throat for others to hear and be affected by. Well, that was my life. I had cried out. 
I had come out of the muck, if you will. I had been, I was now surrounded by people who were kind of explaining what faith is about to me. And this new song that was being put in my throat is kind of what I'm doing today, which is just sharing my story. And, and I just, it just hit me. And for the first, honest to gosh, first time in my life, I felt like God was in the room, so to speak. It was like, wait a minute, the creator of everything is here. Because mm-hmm. I could have searched the Bible forever and not found a, a more perfect verse for me. So I kind of sat back going, wait a minute, you're in the room? If you're in the room, then that makes you real and it makes what you say is real. And then I did something else. This was the, and this is what kind of really started my road. I said, okay, if you're real uh, and I want to have, and I don't want to have this be a once in a lifetime experience, if I want to experience you more often where I feel like there's actually a, a conversation going on, a, a connection, then my sense was I needed to change something. I needed to change some behaviors. I needed to change some ways I looked at things. The first thing I thought of was I got to stop yelling at my kids. I, you know that stupid yelling that you do in the household that's just so stupid? And I just said, I'm going to, and yeah. I did. I, I stopped cold turkey, just cold turkey. And then I did, I did some other changes. And here's my sense as I did that. I got a sense that God was kind of like watching, like, okay, are you really serious about changing? Let's see what you do. Several months down the road from that event, something else happened. Again, part of this ongoing conversation is the way I put it. I was downstairs working out. I got an exercise room down there. I look over into the mirror, and I'm legally blind, but I can still see some, and back then I could see even better. I look over into the mirror, and I see my body split in half long ways, and my head is split open, and I see black smoke pouring out. And I'm looking at that going, what the heck is that? And then then in, in God speak, if you will, that was like him saying, I see that you're changing. I want you to see that you're changing, but I also want you to see there's a lot of crap inside you that, that should be leaving. <laughs> well, this, this then continued the process, and then several months later, again, several months later, he's still watching me. I, I did the morning shift uh, here in Cleveland for 25 years. Okay, so I got up at 2.30 in the morning. So before my alarm went off, I woke up one morning, and I'm getting up, and I, and I set the alarm across the room because I had to force myself to get up and walk in order yep. to make sure I didn't fall back to yep. sleep. And so, and, I, and I'm getting up to walk across the room, and I can see, now this is a pitch black room, and I, because of my blindness, I have not been able to see in the dark since I was 13. It's something called retinitis pigmentosa. You have night blindness, tunnel vision, sure. all this stuff. Yep. Yep. And as I'm getting up, I see everything in the room. It's totally illuminated. And I look up, and the ceiling light's not on, the lamps aren't on, and I'm going, what the heck? I can see out the window. I see it's completely dark out there but it's completely illuminated in my room. I see everything perfectly. The tunnel vision's gone. Night blindness is gone. Everything's gone for about one minute. Lasted about a minute, and then all the crud came walking and it w- working its way back in. I, there was no question I was awake because he, he did this again about a few months later. He did it during the day, too. But what I took that as, again, continuing the conversation, I'm right here. Whether you can see or not see, I'm right here. Keep coming keep coming and that's what i've been doing for the last bunch of years is just i just keep trying to walk towards them and having more experiences you know it's amazing to me trapper jacks is that people get up first of all people misuse religion they they hold their religion against you if you don't believe what i believe then i i hate you but also by the same token if people do believe in god there are people on the other side going oh what are you doing that for isn't it pretty much an individual situation look if if i believe 
Well, no, if you believe what you believe, that's wonderful for you. It's made a better life for you. Why would I ever argue with you about that? It's not my place to argue that, is it? No, I, I, I don't. You know, I don't argue with anybody about anything anymore. I used to. I used to try to convince right, people right. of stuff. Now I just now sure. now I just tell stories. I'll, I'll talk about my own experiences. My podcast, which is called Touched by Heaven, it's people talking about their encounters. I kind of give it. I kind of give a safe place to come tell their stories because some people are having amazing experiences with angels, divine interventions, near death experiences, big and little God incidents. And they 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 kind of have a place to tell their story, and they're not nuts. They're not nuts. These are people who are having no, real experiences. I think it's interesting that everything. This is what I have discovered. Everything that we read about two thousand years ago and beyond still happening today. Same stuff. God is still sending His angels. God is still intervening with divine interventions. God is still healing people. Nothing has changed. We just stopped talking about it. And I don't think he, you're no, right, Tom. I don't true. think he cares whether you're Catholic, Presbyterian. Lutheran, Methodist, no. or whatever, what he, what he, what he does, he, he certainly wants you connected to him. And I think, I think maybe more than anything else, he just, he wants that relationship. He wants a relationship. And, and I'm, I'm just discovering that he's carrying on conversations with all of us, whether we hear it or not, he's carrying on conversations, whether we hear it or not, he's carrying on conversations. I do have to say this, uh, as we only have about a minute left, the only thing I don't believe that you just said is that there's a person named Trapper in Cleveland. That's the only part I don't believe, Trapper. <laughs> well, what you have to believe is all the good names were taken. Uh, Tom Bernard was already taken. What, can, what are you going to do? Yeah, okay. yeah. I love it, though. Cleveland, Ohio. Let's go to Trapper. Okay. Well, no, I like it. I like your attitude. I like that it's improved your life. It's improved the lives of people around you. And that's why, as I said before, if, you, if you're secular, that's your business. If you're religious, that's your business. If it makes you happy, as long as you don't shove it down somebody else's throat where there is no God or this or yeah, there's no reason for that. If it's making you happy, I'm very happy for you. I can be happy for you, which I think is a, a sign of being, you know, I guess a religious in a way. My religion would be, I would like all people to be served. I'd like all people to be happy, happy if possible. That's, that's what I like. And, you know, if you take one O out of the word good, you end up with God, and that's close enough for me, right? It makes total sense. There you go. And, and I, the, 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 my final parting comment then would be, even the Bible says love is greater than faith. Even if you don't get the God yep, thing. Yep. Love will get you to heaven. Love will open up those doors and, and take you right to God. See, that's a wonderful way to close this. Trapper Jack, you're the best uh, you know, soul brother, 30-plus years. I, I've been on the radio now off and on for 48 years. It's just been unbelievable. What a great way. The and you still sound actually care what you amazing. <laughs> no, I'm kind of faking it, Trapper. You know that. Get that fake <laughs> deal going. It all works out. I'd love to talk to you again sometime. Please stay in touch. I'd love to interview you again. That'd be terrific. Uh, that'd be great. Thank you so much, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Miraculous stories, everything from angels, divine interventions, God incidents, and miraculous healings. Trapper Jack will be right back. Tom Bernard Show. 
a program that benefits the homeowner and not the realtor? Do you want a guaranteed offer on your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl, who has some exciting news to share. Hey, Tom, we are super excited to announce our guaranteed offer program. Here's how it works. If you qualify, we will guarantee you an offer on your house within 48 hours, which means you could be closing in three weeks. No staging, no cleaning, no decluttering, and of course, no open houses. This is your hassle-free way to sell your home. If you qualify for the program, you will get a competitive offer in 48 hours, period. Sounds like a stress-free way to sell your home. It is, Tom. Some homeowners want the convenience to be able to sell their home quickly without going through the stress of showings, open houses, and so many more headaches, especially if they found their dream home and need to sell fast. You do need to qualify for this program, but that's quick and convenient as well. To see if you qualify for the guaranteed offer program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate, go to chrislindahl.com right now or call 763-401-SOLD. Once again, that's chrislindahl.com, Chris with a K. If you're tired of feeling frustrated because your clothes don't fit like they used to, then Nutramost is for you. Thanks to the Sheehy brothers and staff at Nutramost in Plymouth, I am down 92.5 pounds. The Nutramost program is amazing. I lost over 40 pounds during each of my first two 40-day rounds. You can have great success just like me because Nutramost is customized for each individual person, and the staff at Nutramost will be there for you every step of the way. Start your weight loss journey today and let Nutramost help change your life. Give yourself this wonderful gift or give this program as a present. Nutramost guarantees that you lose 20 pounds or more. Nutramost helped me change my life and they can help you too. Call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. Clock. Are you saying I know Steve Perry? Are you saying go. Cleveland is a small town? I have a ghost story. <laughs> Do we have time? You have a ghost story? We, yeah. You just yeah. started a segment. So you did acid too? No. <laughs> maybe maybe when, when that guy said his, his body split open and smoke came out of his head, I'm like, I think that guy did some blue field blotter at one time and well, maybe, yeah. well, possibly. Hold on, no. we need Whatever to get this for you. Uh, a ghost story from Alex. Well, it's fun. Vaughn okay. may have, I don't know what to think about what happened. She so, does have a very active imagination right mm-hmm. now. Yes. Yeah. Like, she's, so, like she's having babies. Yeah, she, she has a baby in her <laughs> oh, belly and yeah. she takes it out like this and shows you. Aww. <laughs> its name is Cisa. <laughs> Well, that's because you just had a baby. Nice. That's probably why. Okay, this is the conversation that I had with Fawn when she was on the toilet two days ago. This is before her nap, and she goes, there won't be any ladies in my room. And I said, when are there ladies in your room? She said, today. And I said, where did this lady come from? Just the ceiling. A lady came out of your ceiling today. Was it daytime or nighttime? Yeah, nighttime. Do you see her a lot? Yeah. Is she nice? No. Does she talk to you? No, just shout. What do you do uh, when you see her? Cry. Where does she come out of your ceiling? From the vent. She has like a vent mm-hmm. in the corner of her. Um, is she big? No, just little. Is she teeny tiny? I was, did this. I was like, is she teeny tiny or is she like Sage's size? She says, like Sage. I said, is it a baby or is it a lady the size of Sage? A lady the size of Sage. And what does she do when she comes out of the vent? Hit. Hmm. Oh, she. Oh. What? <laughs> yeah. This is a conversation that I had with my two-year-old daughter, and I was like, do I burn the house down? Do I need a shaman? What do I do? So she's saying she hits her? Yeah. Does she have any marks on her? 
No. You checked? Yeah. Huh. Well, she well, runs around first her house of all, naked constantly, so I was... True. <laughs> you have, yeah, that's true. You have to remember, you just had a baby six right. months ago. Right. Okay. She, there is some jealousy, and she, and Fawn has been in a little bit of a hitting phase, right? Right? Yeah, she has. has. So, I... Mm. Yeah, she has. She has? And... I, yeah, she's been maybe oh, just, yeah. just yeah, a for grandma. a while. She's just Nana. No, <laughs> how no. Is she, how old is she? Two and a half. Well, that two and a half is hitting the yeah. age. That's yeah. when they start. Hitting yeah, that's yeah. a hitting state. Yes. Yeah, it's definitely a hitting phase. So I, I think she's, I think she's projecting things. Yeah. But what? She's trying to improve ghost? herself by trying to. This woman comes out of her vent and shouts and hits. Oh, it's good. But it's, it's the it's size good. of sage. But I said that. Yeah. I was yeah. like, is it teeny tiny or? It's a, it's a story for attention. Yeah. She has I like, competition I'm like, now. I, I smudged her room. Okay. And oh, uh, yeah. I smudged her room. I would room. still smudge her room. Just so you know, when you smudge, though, you start in the farthest corner and you work your way out. So you're pushing the energy oh. out of the room. Oh. If you just stand there oh, and swing like it in a circle. Yeah. Here's the weird part, if you believe in all that. Yeah. Then they just hang out in the corner, and when the smoke clears, they're back in the room. I did all the corners. So, yeah, you come in from the corner, you, you work your way out of the room. See, in a Roman Catholic, it. you just hang a crucifix over the door, and you're good. Yeah. Yep. And exactly. One of my friends is like, <laughs> no, put cooking. salt or, on your or windowsill. Some, or, or some yeah. palm, some palm leaves. Yeah. I burned sage, and I did all the corners, and then did the, did the corners of her closet, and mm-hmm. then I sat in the middle and, like... I to... still have a crucifix over my door. And then I did the extra corner where the vent was, a little extra. Sure. <laughs> Just blow it in there. Because it's right by the door. It's like her door, and then there's a vent in the corner above her door. And I was like, just... Thomas, just for you, case. For you being extra. a Roman Catholic, do you have a crucifix in your house? Do we anymore? Yes, we do. Yeah, I, we do I've got yeah. some hidden about. Hidden? <laughs> yeah, she always has random. It's like you'll find, a, you'll find a rosary. You're like, oh. I have one, I I have one, I have one outside my bedroom door. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, that's that's a, that's the thing. Like, I'm, like like Tom said, it's like being, if you're Jewish, you're, you're always a Jew. Uh, yeah. I'm not a practicing yeah. Catholic, but yeah. I was. I went to Catholic school for 12 years. I was raised Roman Catholic. And it's just, when, when push comes to shove, you go back to that like, I'll have that crucifix near my door just for safety, just in case. <laughs> yeah. You know? yep. well, it worked exactly. for 2,000 years. I, I brought well this just... up at ECFE today because we always do joys or concerns, like, at the beginning of class. And I was like, has anybody encountered their kid potentially, like, talking to a ghost or dealing with, like, ghost <laughs> stories or something? I don't know. It sounds weird. And I, like, said the conversation. And a woman, this woman, it's her. It's a one of the girls in Fawn's class, her grandma, she came up to me at the end of the class and she was like, I work with a priest and if she brings it up again. She's <laughs> an exorcist. Yeah, she's like, I work with a priest and if she keeps bringing it up, you should have somebody hmm. come and bless your house. And uh, I was like, I would do that. Definitely. Like if she kept talking definitely. about it. Just put I'd, a crucifix in her. I would, I'd have like everybody come and your mom deal ha- with her Your house. mom has some hidden, so. Yeah. Just get one from her. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will know, tell I know where I can have faith for them to work, though. That's what the vampires will yeah, say. That's true. Or you oh, can yeah. put a rosary on the doorknob. I yeah, but but yep. the problem is, it's already in the room, so all you're doing is sealing it in. Mm. It's, if it's coming That's in true. from a vent or it's coming, they actually have told you that what you can do is you lift up the bed and you do the cross underneath the bed with holy water or salt. Okay. Lay the bed down so spirits don't come up through. Okay. Um, and then putting the salt on the windows. But again, that's yeah. after you've cleared the room. Yeah. Because you, you want to keep it from coming back. Well, that's, I why, that's why truly it. holy water, the Catholic holy water is the best. Um, whether you're Catholic or not, it's because they take. <laughs> it's the best. Well, the top of the line. They take, well, they take less salt. <laughs> 
and blessed water and, and then it. put it together and then bless it again. Where so what happens is when water? you take holy you water and you make the cross, well, when the moisture evaporates, it, it leaves the salt behind. Oh, yeah. So it's, oh, okay, it's kind yeah. of a triple protection. Blessed water is like, you know, as a Lutheran, I could walk over a, a vat of water, wave my hand, and say a prayer. Yeah. That's blessed water. But yeah. the, the holy water is... is uh, Kind of the trifecta. You get the salt, the water, and the third. So I blessing. just show up to Any a Catholic, Catholic church, church we'll and I'm like, "Hey, oh, we'll I need a little tiny bottle about yeah. this big." Hmm. Yeah, you can get that, or bring in a little bottle, and they have the, yeah, the baptismal font. Yeah. Oh yeah, dunk but they it do in. have to clear that out too. They they say that they have to, yeah. after a certain amount of time, they clear that out and put it in all fresh because the water starts getting. Yeah, wonky, gamey, janky. No, just like it uh, loses its power. Yeah, yeah. but again, that's if you buy into it. The, the most yeah. important thing is walk into the room, take ownership, and just say, "If there's something here that wants to communicate, communicate with me. Leave my children alone." Well, I said I was like I was in there, and Fawn was in the room with me, so I didn't say right. it out loud. I just thought it, but uh-huh. I was like, you know. This is a place for positivity and for rest for my daughter, and this is a peaceful place. And any negative energy or negative, whatever, right. needs to leave. It's I time do, for you I to go. I do have to say, I, it, I, it was a young memory. I was probably about six, and something was trying to pull me in my bed. I was laying in bed, and my bed like folded in a V, and something was trying to pull me in, and I was awake. I wasn't sleeping. I was awake. Yeah, and mm. I fought like fought like hell and got out of that bed and was screaming for my parents and they came running. And I'm like something trying to pull me in the bed and I still remember that as very real, mm-hmm. like it was real. Yeah, and but nothing's ever happened since. And that yeah. was way you know I was a little kid way before any kind of drug use. Or, That's because your yeah, parents really put in a bed. crucifix. I always had a crucifix above my door, always and and probably a rosary on the doorknob outside. So yeah, I would tell you this. You want to know what I think we're talking about here? What do you think? I think that Fawn is having uh, dreams about something she doesn't like about herself. I don't think two-year-olds are so, that introspective. Oh, I think I think you you learn that very very young. Since the the entity is smaller than she is, it's about the size of Sage. I just think she's trying to deal because. She has started hitting people more, and I think in her brain she knows that's not right, and that's why I think she's just trying to deal with that. I yeah. think it's she's like, definitely processing something because it's like she's woken up every single yeah. night in well, the middle of the night has, for yeah. the last like two weeks. She has competition now, so yeah. that yes. changes yeah, your absolutely. mindset. What time is she waking up? Uh, around midnight. Okay. It's six not the same o'clock. time every night. Seven oh six every morning. Yeah, every single she's, morning. She's, well, no, there are some uh, some people that are bothered at the same time every yeah, night. Yeah, no, yeah, it's mm, not. It's like around midnight. So, but she's, okay. she's competing. In her mind, she's competing for attention now. So she has the yep. story. It kind of puts her to get a little bit more attention. Well, and mm. when she wakes up, she cries for me, and then I come in the room, and then I just is like she, pick she, her up and rock her. Is it real her. cry or is it uh, the, the faux cry? Last night it was a fake cry. Okay. Yeah. So. But the night before, but the night before, yeah. <laughs> what else happened? Uh. Something else to consider. What time do you put her to bed? Around eight. Okay. We sleep in these cycles that are three to four hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So four, eight, midnight is around the time she'd wake up, and yeah. she's just bored. She's woken up, and, right? And yeah. Has that little cycle ending? Yeah. Yeah, because she she'll wake up, and then I go in and I sing her a song, and I lay her back down. And like a few nights ago, she was like, "I want to see a rainbow after my rest." I was like, "Cool." <laughs> okay. You, it's twelve o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I think it's because the, the new baby. He's up on the whiskey, rubbing into her gums at bedtime. That could be part of it. 
Yeah. God, that's really funny. Catherine and I have been watching a show called Dark Angel. It was a three-parter. It was uh, really good. PBS so good. Show. It was a masterpiece theater PBS thing. show, but that was the whole deal. Honestly, God, we start watching it, and the doctor comes over, and she goes, What's wrong with my little baby? Oh, nothing that a little whiskey won't fix. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Whis- whiskey and chamomile. I yeah, think whiskey it, and chamomile. I think was the cure. <laughs> I think I Perfect. got. I think yeah. I got that when I was teething when I was a kid. Whiskey and chamomile. Yeah, that yeah. was a that was a teething remedy. Fun gets whiskey chamomile. on the gums. Yeah, they would rub well, it in. Yeah, the whiskey. <laughs> I got to yeah. give her some whiskey. We but have yeah, we'll sh- oh. Kevin on okay. the phone. Never mind. Oh, we're ready to go. Okay, excellent. Yes. Excellent. Kevin Warbach. How you doing, Kevin? I'm good. How are you? Marvelous. The blockchain and the new architecture of trust. Why are the world's most powerful companies and governments excited about a technology beloved by criminals and radicals? And why do people invest their money or their trust in mysterious cryptocurrencies seemingly based on nothing? In an era when trust in situations of all kinds is collapsing, the blockchain offers a new hope, shared ledgers of information that no one controls, but everyone can believe. What's this all about, Kevin? This is about a new technology that uh, appeared almost seemingly out of nowhere that purports to allow you to trust a transaction without trusting any, any intermediary. So you can be confident of information without having to trust a bank or the government or anyone else. Um, And this is potentially incredibly exciting and incredibly powerful, uh, but also dangerous in some ways and limited in some ways. And so that's what I get into in the book. That's phenomenal. You're a Wharton professor? Yes. What are you doing talking to me, pal? No, you know, honestly, no, the reason I wrote this book is, you know, this blockchain technology is, I think, incredibly fascinating, but it's also hard for people to understand. It's, it's very technical. It's counterintuitive. You have to understand finance and uh, business and law and cryptography. And so I really wanted to explain this phenomenon for a broader audience. I think this is relevant to lots of people. It's very important in in finance, but also much beyond that. Lots and lots of companies are using this technology. So really, uh, I'm I'm trying to take this and um, articulate it in a way that um, everyone can see the potential of it. Everyone except us, because we wouldn't understand any of it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's, why Ke- that's why Kevin's here. Well, no, you look, look. I won't. I'm not. I'm not going to go through. You, you, you don't want me to go into all the nitty gritty details of how the cryptography works. Um, but you, you know, the basic Thank point you is, that. you know, you think about. Exactly. You think about. You know, I've got money in the bank. All right. So how do I know I've got that money? Uh, you know, and, and what does that mean? It's just a, an entry somewhere. What if someone in the bank wants to say, well, I don't have you know five thousand dollars. Now I've got five hundred dollars. So let's take a zero out. You've got to trust that entity to keep track of the information. And the issue is if we can have a system that lets us transact without having to be dependent on anyone, then that opens up all kinds of new possibilities. Um, And it creates a lot of flexibility and allows for new applications um, and and all sorts of other things um, because it, it takes something like money and makes it truly digital. So we can transact in a trusted way um, with you know digital goods and with currency the way that we can on the mm-hmm. internet with with physical goods and other things that we buy. I think that's terrific, Kevin. I, I do need to take a break in about one minute. I hope you can stay for another full segment after this. It's just a, a minute from now, but it gives me an opportunity right here. The basis of all of this for me is, and maybe you know you could explain this to me. 
Have, have people always done this, or is it somewhat, I don't know, somewhat broader than it used to be? Why is it that people will do anything for money? It, that just fascinates me. <laughs> I mean, they will do anything for money, and when they're dying, it's not going to do them a whole, hey, look, I'm a billionaire. Yeah, well, you're going to die in about five minutes, so who cares? I, I just don't understand that. Yeah, well, this is, a, it's this is a, it's kind of a philosophical question. Yeah, no, it actually, there's really more, to, honestly, the interesting point that comes out of the research, there's more to things than money, because it's, it's, you know, what is it about money yeah. that you care about? Yeah. It's, it's actually trust. It's actually having confidence in being able to do things. So trust actually turns out to be even deeper than money. Yeah, well, there you go. And that's, I'm really, really happy that I asked you that question, because that's what I kind of thought. This trust thing... Uh, that's another thing people take advantage of, by the way, is your trust. Do you trust them and they will do things to you that you aren't going to believe? Not not everybody, but some people will do that. So they use that as a currency against you, too. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, again, the, the promise of this blockchain technology is that you're not reliant on someone. You're not uh, reliant on either a, a company or an institution, but you're not reliant on a person. You just you know, basically... Um, use the technology that, that gives you know, mathematical guarantees of information security. Now, the, the reality is actually, it turns out there are things you have to trust, and that's, that's a lot of what I, what I talk about in the book and the reason that there are all these regulatory issues and governance issues and legal mm-hmm. issues. You, you ultimately mm-hmm. need to be able to fall back on some kind of protection when things go wrong, and that's, that's actually what the legal system does. It does it kind of imperfectly, uh, but we need to find ways to use the law for what it does well and then use the technology for what it does well. We'll take a very quick break. Back with Kevin Werbach. One one favor I'm going to ask you at the beginning of the next segment, okay? I just want to ask a favor of you. And then we'll just kick it off in the next segment, all right? Okay. We'll be right back. Kevin Werbach, just a couple of minutes from now. Tom Bernard Show. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. Great music today, Cassie. I like the music a lot. Oh, thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, Kevin Werbach, the blockchain and the new architecture of trust. Um, I'm going to shut up and, and just listen to what you have to say. I'm, I'm fascinated by this subject, but I, w- I need one favor from you before we go on with that, okay? Sure. Because I need you to back me up. As long as it's not money, that you want me to pay you for something. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. <laughs> no, no, it's not it at all. But it is a flat-out lie. But I need you to back me up on this. If anybody ever calls you, tell them, yes, it's true, Tom Bernard went to the Wharton School. Because I kind of am doing that. You know, listen to Utah. It's like going to Warden, isn't it? <laughs> so can I claim it? Uh, you know, so I, I, I have an online course that he's not about blockchain, it's about something else. It's one of these. It's one of these. Um, <laughs> it's one of these free online MOOCs, and there's 450,000 people who sign up for the class, and I, and I bet about 100,000 of them put on their, you know, LinkedIn profile or something that I, I took a Warden class, even though it's you know it's a free sure. online thing. Anyway. So sure, go go for it. 
You want to use your name? You're a good man, Mr. Warbuck. You're a good man. That's all I know. Tell me all about this. And I just, I want to sit back and listen because I, I love to learn about these things. Well, so what part do you want to understand? All of it from the very beginning. Okay, so we're, we're right. in a situation where where digital was a good thing at first for banking. It's like, oh, my God, I can do this. Convenience. I don't have to have my ID out there. I don't have to have the paper floating around the universe. It's all covered here now. But we find out that digital, more people are getting robbed of their money than ever before because of digital. So have we improved upon that? Yes and no. I mean, so one issue is uh, what's the cost of trust. So, so trust is a good thing. When there's trust, mm-hmm. then people transact. If there's not trust, then you're, you're not willing to do something. But trust doesn't just exist. And you know, what I talk about in the book is there are these different structures of trust that have existed. You might trust someone you know or your family member. Or, I don't know about your family, but you know, some family <laughs> members you might trust or you might yeah, trust. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know about some your family. <laughs> intermediary. I feel like I stuck that in there. Um, so, you know, you might, you might trust um, a, a company or organization you've done business with, but at some point you're dependent on them. And so the issue is uh, can we create something where you don't have that reliance? Uh, and it turns out not only is that more secure, but it's also much more efficient. Because what happens, and this is much broader than finance, when you have gaps in trust, so you, you, know, you trust your own information and then other organizations have their own information, you've got multiple copies, multiple ledgers. And any time there's a transaction, there's got to be this reconciliation process where you know, the information has to be kept in sync between the different sets of records. And you multiply that across the whole world and thousands of companies and so forth, it becomes incredibly inefficient. So this blockchain technology, at least the promise it has, is it creates these shared ledgers where everyone on the network sees the same information. The, the challenge is it creates great security for the transaction itself. So a, a blockchain ledger is what's called immutable. It's, it's almost impossible for anyone to go in and change the history of transactions. And, and again, the, the technical reasons for that are complicated, but it's basically a kind of database where once information is put into the ledger, everyone it gets verified. There's a process of validating the information, uh, and then there's no mechanism to go back and change it. Um, and so that actually creates tremendous security. The problem is outside of the ledger, um, because in order to use this, you have to have control over the information. So you've got a key. It's a, it's a string of numbers and letters, but it's a cryptographic private key, and that controls your information. That controls your money. If someone else steals the key, steals that string of letters and numbers, they're you. So even though the blockchain mm-hmm. would perfectly execute the transaction, they steal that they can impersonate you. You can't go to the bank and say, that's a thief. Put my money back. bank can't just put your money back. The bank can just say, all right, well, that's someone who has the key. They're the ones who own the money. So in some ways, blockchain makes this much more secure, that it's impossible to hack the system directly, but it actually puts more of a burden at the edges. And that's what's starting to happen now is various mechanisms to manage the keys and do a process called custody and so forth. It's still very early. That, that's why there have been all these situations of fraud and theft and so forth using blockchain technology. I think it's, it's a great idea. Obviously, we are looking for more and more security. As What are there, almost 8 billion people in the world now? Um, well, forgive me. My, I have a question. Is So this would be very useful for transparency, for like gov- the government, find out where all the money really is going? 
Yeah, so very good point. So one one part of that is um, public blockchain networks. And again, there's a lot more detail I don't want to, to, to confuse people with, but mm-hmm. the public blockchain networks like Bitcoin and Ethereum, everyone can see every transaction. You don't know who made the transactions, again, because it's these strings of letters and numbers, although there are ways that law enforcement can track it. But you can see this amount of Bitcoin went from here to there. So there's tremendous transparency. Now, the point you're making is, well, you know, there also that means that government can have more access. Now, part of that is actually a good thing because it, it means that they can um, pursue crime more easily. They can um, deal with regulatory enforcement and compliance, accounting. Normally, the audit process means the auditors have to take a separate copy of all the information. Now, you know, they can look right. at the information directly. But there is a challenge here. So it's a decentralizing technology. But as we've seen with the Internet, things that seem to decentralize can also create centralized power. We, we thought with social media that everyone would have this tremendous freedom and there would be no power of all mm-hmm. the traditional media companies, and instead we got Facebook that's controlling everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so right. that's a challenge here, too. And um, governments are looking at deploying their own cryptocurrencies. Um, you might not be surprised that uh, one of the countries that's most aggressively thinking about this is China. And the reason they want to do it is they want that visibility across all the transactions, including the cash. We're a lot farther from that in the U.S., and the U.S. government is a lot more concerned about the privacy implications there. But, yeah, that's definitely something we need to think about, that this kind of open, decentralized technology can also be turned into a method of control. It's very interesting. It is really interesting. I, I, I like the whole point. It's, um, I don't know, I, we're, we're in a situation right now where, where obviously what China does, I mean, watching the news, uh, Kevin, every day watching the news seems to be more unsettling because we don't get along with this country, we don't get along with that country, China's going to do this, and we're going to do, Russia's going to do that, and it just, uh, it all, all this technology made the world obviously a lot smaller than it was before. Can people handle the smaller world, do you think? They're going to have to. Um, you know, this, this is part of the point I was getting back to, again, with, I know I sound like a broken record mm-hmm. with this idea of trust, that no, you know, no. the technology works you know, perfectly in a rational way. It's one of the things blockchain does, is it reduces everything to um, this mathematical certainty um, and, and so forth. Uh, but at the end of the day, these sort of human motivations, human relationships still matter. Different communities are different. Uh, some communities uh, might, uh, you know, feel differently about uh, who they want to trust than others. So uh, ultimately, the, the challenge is really how to take the technology um, and adapt it into the ways that we want to use it. So, you know, the right kind of blockchain system for a bunch of corporations doing a global supply chain, which is one of the areas that this is getting widely applied, um, is going to be different for blockchain for you know, payments in a local community if, if people want to pay each other for providing services or, or people want to, uh, you know, people that are um, immigrants want to send money back to their families back home. Um, the right kind of system will be different in those contexts. So you're, you're hitting on a good point, which is in this kind of global world, we, we can't just assume that all those human right. differences and all those normal human motivations go away. They're all still there. Um, and this is something we've seen. I, I talk a lot about this in the, in the book. There have been a number of situations where these blockchain networks ran into problems, um, where you know, someone stole something or something broke or there was a bug or there was a hack. And, and then in many cases they didn't know what to do because the system was designed assuming that the technology worked perfectly. And, and the technology was still yeah. working, but the computers have no way to distinguish between a thief and a legitimate transaction. 
Hmm. Uh, the people in the right. community know that, but the people in the community hadn't figured out, well, what do you do? You know, because we have this system that makes it almost impossible for anyone to send money back. Uh, and so some people would say, well, no, let's just change the system. But then other people say, well, no, we agreed no one was going to change the system. And they didn't know what to do. So, it, again, it comes back to needing to think about governance and thinking about you know, what are the important values in a community. Uh, and we're going to see, I think, a lot of different implementations of this blockchain technology that are going to be better fit for different communities. Yeah, it's really funny. I was thinking back to a story that's been out there a long time in the past, you know, 70 years or whatever it's been. Um, Joe DiMaggio, very famous baseball player, phenomenal baseball player, would not sure. use checks. He would not use banks. He would say, you have to pay me in cash. Then that's the New York Yankees and everybody else. And there was a, a uh, an earthquake. He was in San Francisco. There was an earthquake. And there was a picture of Joe DiMaggio walking down the street with two huge bags of cash. It's just, uh, he wouldn't trust banks, he wouldn't trust paper, yeah. he wouldn't trust anything. You give yeah. me my money and I'll put it in my bag and that's how I'm gonna work. So have we come a lot further? Or are we basically spinning our wheels in the same in the same spot with our beliefs? Well, so some of this, these are fundamental issues that go back to the history of civilization. So, I mean, the question is, so why does he trust the cash? I mean, there's a, you know, a bunch of green, right. crumpled right. pieces of paper. Why do you think that's money? We all take it for granted it's valuable. It turns out it's valuable because you're confident you can go to a store or go to a bank or go to someone else and hand them a stack of bills and they'll say, okay, that's worth something. But that's just, you're mm -hmm. just trusting. You're, they're trusting that they can take the money and use it for something else. So all of these things are embedded in social relationships and embedded in processes. And that's why I, I call you know, this blockchain the new architecture of trust. It's not the end of trust. It's not a total replacement for trust. It, it's not sort of the magic solution to the problem of trust. It's just a new kind of trust. And it's going to take people time to get used to it. Really, what's happening now is we've got all of these cryptocurrencies and speculation and, and things happening. But um, you know, people haven't really adapted to the changes that a, a decentralized digital financial system can produce. Um, and that's going to take time to, for the, these networks and systems to have interfaces that are, are comfortable for people. Uh, because really, most people aren't going to want to have to understand, you know, what Bitcoin is and how you transfer from Bitcoin no. to some other cryptocurrency and have a digital wallet and so forth. So all of that, again, it, it goes back to trust. It goes back to a comfort level of what's going on um, and the need to build up all the systems around it, some of which, again, are, are legal systems that most people in general have confidence in. Because, yeah, there will always be people who just, you know, so want to, you know, live in their house or live on a desert island or something and not, not interact with anyone, not have to trust anyone. But, you know, most people in society realize that you've got to be part of these kinds of systems. It makes total sense. The book is called The Blockchain and the New Architecture of Trust. Kevin Werbach, W-E-R-B-A-C-H. Kevin, great, great uh, having you on today. I've learned a lot. And I might even trust someone today just in your honor. <laughs> well, then, then I've had a little, at least a little bit of a victory with this. Thanks so much for having me on. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Kevin Warbach, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, that, that's a fascinating stuff. Does anybody, uh, that did, whole... did anybody here understand any of that? <laughs> I did, yeah. No. I, I, yeah, just, I, I, I still basics, totally yeah. over my head. I still don't get it. <laughs> I, I don't get what it you is. You have to understand something, though. I went to Wharton, so that's why I do understand <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really you know don't. I don't get what it is. I know. I don't either. <laughs> Andy? 
Andy. I've Andy. been I mean, I've been explained. I've been yeah, I, and I I'm still it. like I don't know. <laughs> you have to understand Just something. Andy. Kevin Warbach is one of the smart. Uh, I believe so. I mean, I have an idea of how it works, but whether or not that's actually how it works, I'd have to have someone verify. But basically, it's like each block in the chain holds the password for the next block. So if you know the password, you can verify whether or not the block is right. So it's like, you know, you have a password for a computer, and then that computer has a file that gives you the password for another computer and so forth. So if you can get into any given computer, then you can you can see whatever's in it. But if you don't know the password, then you can't get into any of them. Yeah, it's way out of my league. <laughs> I know. You know what I really love about our listeners, ladies and gentlemen? I just said, well, I went to Wharton, so, you know, I understand it. Joe from Louisville. Patrick Warburton, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Wharton. <laughs> Yeah, Wharton, Warburton, whatever it is. Dunwoody. Dunwoody, yes. I learned refrigeration just like Don Brandt. It was wonderful. I love them. He Look, you have to understand one thing. Kevin Warbach is one of the brightest people on earth, so Apparently. not understanding what the hell he's talking about is okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. No, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't the only one that didn't understand. No. no. I never will. No, and, it's and, very technical stuff, but I just, you know, the thing I wanted to ask him, but we ran out of time, was, okay, you know, everybody thinks that their next uh, big thing is unhackable. I know. I, they do. I, I mean, There's no so such the thing. next technical... Right. Yeah, the next technology like this, I mean, someone's going to evolve into hacking it, yeah. right? No matter what I it is, given true. enough time and processing power, you can hack it. And I'm glad. That I, yeah, I figure Andy's probably the most, I would think, intelligent that way of anybody here. So if he doesn't get it totally, I feel a lot better about yeah. myself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the kind of thing yeah. that you need to just, like, you just need to read a book on and... yeah. I still would be get lost. all the little intricacies. I feel like yeah, it would just be. It's like tax You'll law. You'll be fine. You'll never know all of it. Even the accountants don't, don't forget know. my birthday Friday. I will not forget your birthday. Twenty-seven years old. I mean, you know what's a big birthday for me? Five-five, man. Fifty-five. Uh-huh. I can't drive fifty-five. I turned thirty in it. under a month. It's pretty scary. Hitting fifty-five yeah. is kind of scary. Yeah, not no, it, it's scary. Don't worry about well, it is, but I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's even scarier. Yeah. All right, that's gonna do it. We'll talk to you tomorrow, Tom Bernard. Show. See you guys.